Well, I have been married long enough to learn a couple things. And one of the first things that I learned early in my marriage is that you try to avoid these two phrases, you always or you never, right? You can kind of see, if you say those things, sometimes you can get yourself in trouble. Uh, And I was thinking about what are some of the things that when people think about you, that they would say you always or you never. In other words, uh, what are you known for, right? Uh, I asked my family this, uh, and and they got some responses, some of which I'm not going to share with you. But some of them, uh, one of the things that I always do is I always cry at movies, right? That's just my thing. And my wife never cries at movies. I asked Kira this morning, what's something that I just always do? And she says, you always make someone else make your eggs, So I thought, and I never want to make myself dinner, right? What are you known for? Well, today we're wrapping up a series called Show Up, A Call to Everyday Faithfulness. And over the past few weeks, we've looked at God's faithfulness to us and what it looks like for us to be faithful in our everyday lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our work. And today, to the world at large, we're going to look at what does it look like to live a life of faithfulness? A.W. Tozer had this quote. I shared this at the beginning of our series. Christian faith is not so much what you say you believe, but how you behave in a consistent manner. And the definition we've been using for faithfulness in this is your beliefs showing up in your behaviors. Or to use the old phrase you might have heard, we're practicing what we preach, right? The things that we believe, bless you. The things that we believe, are they reflected in our behaviors, in the decisions that we make, in the way that we interact with the world around us? Faithfulness isn't our actions backing up our beliefs just once. They're not making a decision then doing something one time. It's being consistent. Now, I shared with you that my theme verse for 2024 is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And the key word here is always. Always give yourself. See, faithfulness is about showing up, not just once, not when I feel like it, Not when it lines up with my schedule or when I'm ready, but always. There's a passage in Acts chapter 9. We're introduced to a woman. We don't know a lot about her. She doesn't appear very much in Scripture, but she made a huge impact. She actually ended up being raised from the dead. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. We're going to go ahead and use the word Tabitha, though. I don't know what her parents were thinking. Here's a, but she always was doing good and helping the poor. Always. It's what she was known for. Now, we started this series by looking at what the faithfulness of God looks like. And we spent the last few weeks talking about faithfulness. And now we end the series. Let's look at what the end result is of living a life of faithfulness. What does a life of everyday faithfulness produce? We're actually told several places in scriptures that faith without works is dead in James chapter 2 or later on in James 2.18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And we know that we're not saved by the good things that we do. 
But a life of everyday faithfulness will produce works, and it produces a life of service, of faithfulness. We serve God, and that draws us closer to him as we draw closer to others. And that spills over, and we begin to serve others out of an abundance of what he's done for us. So how does a life of everyday faithfulness, or what does a life of everyday faithfulness produce? How do we know at the end of our days if we've lived a life of everyday faithfulness? Jesus actually gives us the answer. Matthew chapter 25. If you got that, we're going to be looking at that today. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be starting in verse 31. Matthew chapter 25. He said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. See, Jesus often taught in parables, and a parable is a story that's told to drive home a spiritual point, or the way I was taught it when I was a kid was a little phrase, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But in this passage, Jesus is telling both a parable, a story, but also a prophecy. In this passage, Jesus is telling us what will happen at the end of time, at the judgment. And he's using this illustration of sheep and goats. Now, the practice of a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats was actually something that people in the first century would have been accustomed to. If you spent much time in church, you've probably heard about sheep. We even did a series all about sheep last year in Psalm 23. We've heard that the Lord is our shepherd, and we are the sheep. But when most of us think of goats, at least in our everyday life, we probably think of goat, the greatest of all time, right? Maybe we think of this. How many of you think that Jordan was the greatest of all time? Yeah. 
Okay, we got some applause there. I know there's some discrepancy. Maybe it was, you know, somebody else. But here's the thing about sheep and goats. Sheep rely on a shepherd to protect them from their environment. Goats, on the other hand, are pretty stubborn. They're destructive. And if they're left unattended, they don't look out for each other. Sheep will often surround those who are in danger, especially the females. They will, the males will surround the females to protect them. But goats, they could care less. A goat doesn't follow anyone. A goat doesn't protect or look after anyone. And we don't have time to go into the shepherding patterns of sheep and goats. But in general, goats are more aggressive and they tend to be territorial. In other words, goats are living their lives like they're the greatest of all time, right? It's all about them. It's all about their needs. Do you want to live a life of everyday faithfulness? Don't be a goat. You can write that down. That can be your takeaway for today. You can tell your friends and family, what'd you learn at church today? Don't be a goat. See, what is a goat? A goat is someone who sees the right thing to do, knows the right thing to do, but chooses not to do it. Jesus spent most of his time, so much of his time on earth, teaching, preaching to the goats, the people who should have known better, who did know better. We're told a parable that many of you are familiar with, most of us have heard of it, the Good Samaritan of these people that should have known better, priests and the Levite, the holy people, people who were trained in what to do to help those, but they were goats, and they were busy with something else, had something else that they were living for in that moment. The sheep have lived a different kind of life than the goats, but both of them are surprised. I don't know if you noticed that as we read this. Both the sheep and the goats are surprised by what Jesus says. Both claim to know God, but only one became like him to the point of acting like him. A life of service flows out of everyday faithfulness, but it's a life that imitates Jesus. So Jesus gives this list and he says, I was hungry and naked and in prison and sick. And, and the people didn't read this and, and go, wait a minute, let me, let me jot this down. These are the things I have to do. See, Jesus isn't giving us a checklist of how we're supposed to be faithful. He's giving us a lifestyle to adopt. See, the goal isn't just to do good deeds. It's to be the kind of person who does good deeds. That's what living a life of faithfulness is all about. So what gets in your way of serving others? Brian Wilkerson, I'm just going to read what he wrote about this passage. He said, the righteous in this story were commended because they did something. They fed somebody. They gave someone a drink. They welcomed a stranger into their lives. They put clothes on someone's back. They took care of someone who was sick. They visited someone who was locked up. Notice they didn't do everything but they did something. They didn't help everyone, they helped someone. They didn't solve world hunger or rid the world of disease or get all the homeless off the street. They did what they could, where they were, with what they had. 
And that's what God asks of us. To do what we could with where we are, with what we had. That's living a life of everyday faithfulness. Last week we saw that we're created in the image of God. Even this passage reminds us that we just read that from the creation of the world, he intended something different for us. We learned last week we were the image of God, right? The Imago Dei. And because we're all God's image bearers, that should treat the way that we treat others. That should shape the way that we treat others. And Jesus is saying, the way that you treat image bearers is a reflection of what you think about me. So how are we supposed to treat image bearers? Jesus said, do these things. Look out for them. Take care of them. Serve the least of these. Richard Stearns in his book, The Whole in Our Gospel, paraphrased these words of Jesus in Matthew 25 and said this, for I was hungry, but you went out to eat again. I was thirsty, but you drank some fancy bottled water. I was a stranger, and you got me deported. I needed clothes, but you needed more clothes. I was sick, and you pointed out the behaviors that led to my sickness. I was in prison, and you said I was getting what I deserved. In 2013, a Canadian sculptor named Timothy Schmaltz started placing uh, these sculptures around the country. And it expanded even to the United States. And it was a sculpture of a homeless man sleeping on a bench. And he put this in cities across the world. The life-size bronze statue appeared. You couldn't see his face. It was covered. You can see it there. But there was gaping wounds on his feet. You see that in the next picture. The next one. And that person, he said, was Jesus. And the statue had appeared in many places around the world, but it started to appear in front of several churches. And one was installed in a church in an upscale neighborhood in Davidson, North Carolina. And a woman called the police and said this was unbecoming of her church. Another wrote a letter of complaint to the editor of a local newspaper. They're so used to seeing Jesus with his arms spread open, powerful Jesus resurrected, not Jesus under a blanket, homeless. That's not the image that we often had of Jesus. But Jesus said something else happens when you live a life of faithfulness. You start seeing things differently. And people's reaction to that was because of one thing. They were uncomfortable. That statue made them uncomfortable. Are you too comfortable? So we place a high value on comfort in our society. We don't need to be rich, but we do want to be comfortable. Over the pandemic, a lot of us started to only wear loungewear. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's, there's been reports and it's known that the loungewear industry has grown almost 50% since COVID-19 hit. Because, yeah, we all stayed home and so we started to dress more comfortable and that's gone on throughout our lives. Lululemon, different places like that, these upscale places that provide loungewear have grown and increased. 
My girls, uh, when they come home from school or work for the day, the first thing they do is get in their comfy clothes, right? Some of us wear our comfy clothes out and go to Walmart and see that sometimes. But you have to be careful not to get too comfortable. So comfortable that we refuse to leave the comfort of our own lives, of our own schedules. The comfort of only wanting to be around those who are like us, who think like us, who look like us, who vote like us. We craft comfortable realities for ourselves, but we become afraid to step into the messy existence of someone else. And so we walk by that Jesus because it makes us uncomfortable. Jesus gives us the example of those who are hungry, thirsty, a stranger, in need of clothes, sick, and in prison. All examples of living uncomfortably to show us that living a life of faithfulness isn't always going to be comfortable. And are we willing to sacrifice our own comfort, even if we've worked really hard to build it? Are we willing to follow the good shepherd into the mess of the world so that we could play a part in serving the world like Jesus did? Or are we going to be a goat? I've asked over the last few weeks this question as we've wrapped up our, our mornings, how can we show up? How can I show up in my personal life? How can I show up in my family? How can I show up in my job? And I want to ask us this morning, how can we show up in our community? How can we show up when we leave these walls? Out of the comfort of our own homes or even our own jobs, when we're out in the world, how can we show up? It might mean opening your home to someone in need. Maybe it means providing a safe place for a family to get back on their feet. Or maybe it means just having someone over for dinner, showing hospitality to a widow who's recently lost her husband. You can show up for your community by serving Even here in our children's ministry, down the hall, we have dozens of kids each week who are gathering, learning about who Jesus is and the love he has for them. And frankly, that makes some of us uncomfortable. Might say, well, I'm not good with kids, or I've done my time, or I don't know what to do. Are we willing to be people who sacrifice, who get out of our comfort zone? who give up these nice padded chairs that we have and get to listen to a great sermon to go serve in the children's ministry? Are we willing to show up? Maybe it's taking a direct cue from our passage in Matthew this morning. We've got several ways, even here at Seymour Christian, that we can do that. We can show up monthly at the alley. It's a ministry that we partner with people from around the the area here to provide food and meals. They need help. That's right. You can, on the second Thursday of the month, gather with people here from Seymour and go and unload some, some food and prepare those meals and meet those who are hungry and thirsty. Maybe you can show up for those who are often neglected in society, the special needs community. We've been talking about Night to Shine coming up in just a few weeks on February 9th. This is an opportunity for you to show up, for you to show up for people who often feel left out, to celebrate them, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And maybe it will make you uncomfortable. 
but you'll be blessed. That's right. You'll be blessed. I encourage you, consider volunteering if you haven't for that. In just a few weeks, Dan is taking another group to our Kairos prison ministry. Those who actually, as Jesus said, are in prison and we can visit them. I want you to see a little bit more about the impact that Kairos can have here up on the screens. I'm going to tell you about Kairos, this prison ministry that comes inside them walls. It's a dead man. A lot of people say we dead men. I mean, I was just a mad man. Everybody got a story. When you really get touched by God, that's when you know you got a real story. Well, my name is Tommy Fisher. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I grew up in the street gangs there. I got in a lot of trouble. I ended up doing 20 years, 11 months flat in prison. I had an aggravated life sentence. I wasn't supposed to never get out. I ran the gangs in prison, you know, and I hurt a lot of men for some crazy reasons. I used to actually get Christians beat up because they say they wanted to come to Christ. That's how crazy and radical I was. But the, when they picked Kairos, they only picked the worst inmates on the unit because they want the roughest dudes on the unit, the fools, to get changed. And this ministry is actually going in here and showing this love and changing people like that. I'm going to tell you the truth. I went for their food. I didn't go to get saved, but God had set me up. When I was sitting there, man, you know, I was listening to this dude talk. You know when Paul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus, just Jesus' presence knocked him off that horse? I know for a fact I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I felt it like Paul felt it. And from that day forth, man, God has just been blessing my life. While I was in that prison, I got into this Thurapon Theological Seminary and Bible Institute. I got a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. I also went to college and I got me an LBT. I just thank God for God bless me. I got a license to counsel, you know. And I really thank God for what he changed me into because I used to be a monster. I used to really be a monster. The only reason why I don't know if I ever killed a man because I never went back and asked the man who I shot was he dead. But I shot a lot of people and I hurt a lot of people's lives. But ministries like Kairos can go inside them walls and show a man God's love. Man, if I can tell anybody, anybody about Kairos, man, it's changing lives. Because I got to give God back what he gave me. He gave me back my life. He gave me them years that the locust stole from me. He gave them back to me. <laughs> and I'm thankful for them. Whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Those are just a few of the ways that you can show up for your community. But the point is, as Jesus shared in Luke 14, they're not looking for something in return. You aren't looking for something in return. Luke 14, 20, or 14 12 says, Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so that you can be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, 
the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. We don't serve so that we can earn something. It's not about earning a reward. The passage that we read earlier in Matthew 25, Jesus actually said, you receive an inheritance, right? You don't earn an inheritance. You're given an inheritance. Not because of anything you've done, but because of the love of someone else. Philippians 2, starting in verse 3. Jesus said these words. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See, Jesus told this story of the sheep who showed up for him, not so that they could get a reward. They did it as a response for what Christ had done for them. They weren't looking to serve Jesus. They were looking to be like Jesus. And what had Jesus done for them? What had Jesus done for us? Philippians 2 goes on. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, The goat wasn't trying to be the goat. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord. To the glory of God the Father. See, the greatest of all time found us hungry. And he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The greatest of all time knew that we were strangers. And he said, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of my household. The greatest of all time found us naked and he clothed us with garments of salvation and robed us in righteousness. The greatest of all time found us sick And at 1 Peter, we're told he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we've been healed. The sick made whole. And we were prisoners in the chains of sin. And Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Not so that we could repay him or because we deserved it, because we certainly didn't and we can't, but that we would be changed, that we would be living a life of faithfulness to those around us. Matthew 23, 11, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
So when people think about the men and women and the students and the retired of Seymour Christian Church, may they say, those are the people who always show up. Those are the people who always serve. Those are the people who are always looking to the needs of others, not so that we can get recognition, but because we recognize what Jesus has done for us. Not because of our greatness, but because his faithfulness is great. We've sung about that this morning. Not because of what we've done, but because of who he is and what he's done. We live a life showing up for the lost and the least of these. Not because of our greatness, but because of his great faithfulness. Let's pray together. God, help us to be people who are always loving, always serving, always looking out for the needs of others, the lost and the least. God, help us to see people, all people through your eyes. May we look for ways in our homes, in our jobs, and in the community around us, the places you have placed us to clothe those who need clothing, to offer a cup of cold water, shelter, food, to visit those who are in prison, to care for the sick. God, may we be your hands and feet in this community. Not so that we can get an eternal reward, but because of the reward that you have given us already. May we be people who live a life of great faithfulness to you. God, may we be people who show up. Put on our hearts the ways that we can serve those around us. The little things, the big things, the things that cost us dearly and the things that really cost us nothing. May we be people who show up in your name and for your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray and the church together said, amen.